Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. I pray that we would respond to this invitation without any hesitation. Let us draw near to his throne, surrendered completely at his feet. For the Lord our God is seeking out people who worship in spirit and truth with honest humility. So I'll praise and I'll dance unashamed and passionately until I'm found once again at the feet of my King. I think I recognized a couple people in that video. That's pretty cool. Ladies, I hope you uh, are able to go to that. I think it's going to be um, off the charts awesome. It always is. Um, well, tonight, um, I'm really uh, pretty excited because uh, we're still in this revival sermon series, and tonight is actually kind of a part two of what we did last week uh, on prayer, but... Uh, this is really going to be a lot of fun tonight. It's going to be kind of different. Um, we are going to basically hear a lot of stories about how powerful prayer is. And um, my hope and my prayer is that if you don't already understand this, you will get a grasp or a picture of how incredibly powerful prayer is. And it's right there. It's right there for you to use. It gives, prayer gives us such an unbelievable advantage. It's like, it's like going to a BB gun fight with a nuclear bomb. I mean, it's that, in, it's that intense. So last week, what we talked about was uh, how to pray and when to pray. And I just want to do a really super quick recap of that and then kind of pick up from there. So we talked about how to pray. We talked about how there were forms of prayer. There were four forms of prayer. Adoration, which is when uh, our focus is on God. That's when all, it's all about who God is. Adoration is about who God is. And then thanksgiving is about what God has done. So who God is, what God has done. We talked about how adoration and thanksgiving really should occupy the majority of our prayer time, which may be, I don't know, depending on where you come from and in the way you think about prayer, maybe that doesn't seem uh, natural. You know, well, prayer is asking God for this or that. But really, we talked about how adoration and thanksgiving uh, reframe our perspective on the issue that we're praying about doesn't it? I mean, when we start thinking about how awesome God is, we start thinking about all of the things God has done, how faithful he is, then it totally changes the way we look at the issue that we're bringing to him. And so then we move on to confession, which again, we said confession had two meanings. Number one, it was confessing uh, where we've dropped the ball, where we've failed, where there has been sin, um, and we repent and we get right with God. Now, we know that sin has been paid for once and for all, so it's not like you have to ask forgiveness every time you drop the ball. But there is something about our, our mind, our will, and our emotions being going through a process of being renewed. So we go through the confession. But confession also means that we make a declaration. We confess the truth of God's word. We confess the power of what Jesus has said. If, if the doctor says, hey, you're sick, you say, you may say that, but I'm saying that by his stripes, I'm healed. If the bank statement says you're going to be short this month, you say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He is my provider. So what you're doing is you're confessing the truth of God's word as you pray. And then last of all, we talked about intercession. Um, and intercession is where we partner with the Holy Spirit and pray for or on behalf of someone else. And so those were the four forms of prayer, how we pray. And then we talked about when we pray. We pray alone with God. 
And that's, we looked at Psalms 91. We talked about getting into the secret place and how powerful that is. And then we, we talked about how we pray all day long. And the idea there is once you get into the secret place, you remain in the secret place. And then you can actually enter into this relationship with God that lasts all day long. And prayer doesn't become any, uh, prayer goes from being an event to being a lifestyle. And then third and last of all, we talked about we pray with, along with, or in the company of our brothers and sisters, fellow believers. And so we talked about how awesome it is when we come together. Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. So that's how you pray. That's when you pray. And we're going to have a lot of videos today, Um, so many that I, I... I'm almost thinking I should have provided popcorn for you guys tonight. But we're going to just leave the, the house lights down because I don't want to just bring them on and off and on and off again because of all these videos. But I want to start off with a video that lays the foundation of how important prayer is in that it, 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 it puts us in connection with the God who has been to our future already. You realize that God has already been to your tomorrow, and he's already made a provision. He already knows what you need tomorrow. You don't know yet. He does. And he's made provision for that need. He's already gone before you and made a provision for whatever that need is. And so when we pray, there can be just this quiet expectation that we are in a relationship with a God who has already gone before us. Let's go ahead and play that first video. One of the great benefits of life as a new creation in Christ is that we're traveling with the one who lives outside of time. He knows the beginning from the end, which means that God has already been to your tomorrows. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. You know, it's not just that God is with us in this life, but we have his promise that he has gone before us. He went before Abraham to provide a ram in the thicket to spare Isaac's life. Remember that story? He went before Israel in the wilderness to make provision for a million people coming out of Egypt. Think of it. Where did all those quail come from? Millions of them were required. So what if for years God had eliminated their predators so that there would be a massive population when the time came? Jesus talked about preparation with the disciples at the beginning of John 14 when he told them that he was going to prepare a place for them. Not only does he prepare a place, but that he would return so that they could go there too. So that where he was, they would be also. To me, this is one of the tremendous benefits of life in the new man. The God who has gone before us lives in us. He has prepared whatever it is that you need, and he's here to guide you until you find it. So in that context, prayer becomes the relational place where we abide, listen, and receive the provision that God has already made for us. As a new creation in Christ, we're not looking for situational resolution as proof that God hears us. We know that every circumstance is an opportunity to encounter another aspect of God's true nature. So for us, it's always about primary purpose, Genesis 1:26, us being made in his image and his likeness. We're confident that no matter what we see, God can be someone for us here that we've never experienced before. So a life of prayer for the new man is one of quietly confident expectation. I love 
that quote that they actually put up on the screen that says, prayer becomes the relational place where we abide, listen, and receive the provision that God has already made for us. So what is, here's a little test you can give yourself. I like to do that every now and then. What is prayer to you? What is prayer to you? Just think about that for a second. Corey Ten Boone said this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I like to think about what happens when we pray. I mean, what is actually, what is actually happening? Because, see, we are spirit beings, right? I mean, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says that you were born again. So something was born in the spirit. And then, so when we pray, we are speaking into that world. We're speaking into that world. Now, in the natural, right now, in this room, I'm speaking to you. I'm saying words. You're hearing these words. Your brain is interpreting what it all means. And we're communicating in the natural. But when we pray, we are speaking into the spiritual. And I could even take it a step further and say that when we are praying in agreement with the Holy Spirit, we are actually creating spiritual reality because God uses us to manifest his will. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer is so important because it is a means by which God carries things out in this world. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest field, right? When he was talking about how people need to get out there and share the gospel. Why didn't Jesus just say, go into the harvest field? Why did Jesus tell his disciples to pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest field? Prayer is a very important, crucial step in making things happen, okay? So, who we are in our spirit is very different than who we seem to be on the surface. So that part of you that was recreated, that was born again when Jesus came in, is very different. You, don't, you are not what you appear to be. I want to read this to you out of Colossians chapter 2. It says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. That is what has filled us. So we're very different on the inside or in the spirit than we appear to be in the natural. And when we pray, things are happening. It's one of the most important things you will do in your life is pray. There are very few things. Maybe there is nothing more important than praying. And we're going to hear stories tonight of, that back that up completely. It's one of the primary reasons you're here is to pray. So what I want to do is with the, the time that we have tonight is I want to take a look at what happens when we pray. What happens when we pray? And I want to do that primarily through stories. And so I have a number of videos um, that have uh, things that are going on out there, things that have happened in history 
and then I have some things that are happening right here. So let's start off um, with these stories um, with a short little video about the Hebrides revival. Go ahead and play that. When revival broke out in the Hebrides, it came suddenly, but not accidentally. You see, it came in response to the prayers of two sisters, an 86-year-old woman named Peggy who was blind and her 84-year-old sister named Christine who was severely riddled with arthritis. You see, they had gotten a burden for their church and their community. They had noticed the dwindling attendance, the fact that no young people attended their church whatsoever. And so they made a commitment that every Tuesday and every Friday, they would lock themselves into their homes, get on their knees, and pray that God would visit in revival. Well, when he came, he came suddenly. In fact, that night, 600 people arrived at the church at 11 o'clock at night, not even having been invited. It was the Lord himself who gave the invitation in response to the prayers of these two sisters. It's one of my favorite stories to tell in Trail of Fire, and it's definitely one that you're going to want to read because it demonstrates to us the power of prayer. It also shows us that there's absolutely no excuses that we can offer for why we can't do something. You see, Peggy was blind and her sister had arthritis, but yet they could pray. And they prayed in such a way that when God answered, He transformed not just their church and not just their city, but their entire island. God poured out His Spirit on dry ground. How much more so do we recognize that we need God to pour out His Spirit on the dry ground of our nation, but He's looking for those that will get on their knees and offer those persistent, passionate prayers which heaven can respond to. There's so many stories about prayer changing nations. I love all these stories about moves of God. I love the stories we looked at last week about Reese Howells and John Hyde and what those guys did. But how many of you, instead of just hearing stories about church history, would like to make some church history? So let's take time to see what God is doing right now. So we've looked a lot at, at the past, at history and things like that. And so let's look at a couple things that are happening more current, and then we're going to bring it in even closer to what God's doing right here. Let's go ahead and roll the next video. I was um, in a prophetic presbytery meeting one time with at Clark Witten's church. Clark's been here many times. And there was an older lady uh, by herself, and I got this word. I said, you know how to pray. You know how to pray. And I said, you're going to teach younger ladies how to pray. And this was the prophetic word that the Lord gave me. You are going to teach how to, how, younger ladies how to pray for their unbelieving husbands to come to Christ. So after the prophecy, and the congregation started clapping because they knew her story, afterwards, Clark said, after the service, he said, I want, I want her to come tell you why everyone knew what you were saying was true. So she came up, and here's what she told me. Her husband, she'd been married to him for 42 years, and he was an unbeliever. She prayed every day for 42 years for him to come to Christ. One day, he was on a business trip in Florida, and he was killed in a car accident. About a month after he was killed, her phone rang, and this man on the phone said, is so-and-so there, asked for her husband. She said, no, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, uh, he's passed away. He, he died in a, in a car accident about a month ago in Florida. And the guy got kind of quiet, and he said, did you say he died about a month ago in a car accident in Florida? She said, yes. He said, was it on this day? And he said, the date. She said, yes, it was. He said, did you get to talk to him that day? She said, no, I did not. He would always call me in the, at night when he got to the hotel room. He said, ma'am, I have good news for you. He said, I'm a businessman. I wear a suit and tie to work. I work downtown in an office building. And God would not leave me alone that morning. And God spoke to me to go out to the highway and park my car and put my thumb out, and your husband came by. And I shared Christ with your husband, and your husband accepted Christ before he was killed in that car accident. I met this lady. Clark Whitten can verify this story. She prayed, and you know who she prayed to? She prayed to the supreme ruler of the universe who is a merciful and compassionate God. Amen. 
Prayer works. And look, it may not seem like anything is happening, uh, but that's why we have to trust God. I think a theme that you're going to see throughout the night as we hear more of these stories is this idea of persistence and trust. This idea that you may be praying for something and you may not see any evidence that anything's happening or anything's changing, but we trust. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why do we not lean on our own understanding? Because sometimes our own understanding is not very encouraging and we trust the Lord. Think about it like this. If you were if you, for some reason, wanted um, a dam to be removed so that a river could flow through, and this thing was blocking up the river, and you were on one side and you were praying for it to be removed, and God is on the other side chipping away at this thing, from your perspective, you can't tell that anything's changed. You can't tell that any progress has been made until that final blow when it crumbles and falls. And many times, that's how it works in prayer. Things are happening that we don't know about. Things are are being moved in place. Pieces are being moved in place. We have to trust God. We have to be persistent and faithful as we pray. I have another story by Robert Morris that kind of drives the same point home. So let's go ahead and watch the next one. I told you a few weeks ago about George Mueller praying 63 years for his friend. I told you last weekend about a woman uh, that prayed 42 years for her husband. Some of you heard the story about how my grandfather came to the Lord. Some of you haven't. But there was a man that prayed for my grandfather for 40 years. There was a time in, in my grandfather's life when he worked for the Texas um, uh, Department of, of um, Transportation. His job was to put asphalt in potholes. That was his job. And for a season, he worked with a man named Ray Alexander. And Ray Alexander was a Christian, and he shared Christ with my grandfather, who did not know anything about the Lord. And one night, uh, one day, my grandfather said, I'd like to hear more about this. And so Ray said to him, well, why don't you come over to my house after dinner and I'll I'll share with you some more and show you some verses in the Bible. So my grandfather said, okay. So that night after dinner, he got ready to go. And my father had just turned 16 and just gotten his driver's license. So he said to my grandfather, when my grandfather started to go, he said, hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going to talk to a man at work about some things. And my father said, can I drive you? He just wanted to drive. So my grandfather said, yes, but you have to stay outside while we talk. So he drove him over there, and my grandfather went in, and my father went and sat on the steps of the front porch. And back in those days, no air conditioning, so the door was open, but the screen door was closed. And for the first time ever, at 16 years of age, my father heard the gospel had never heard that Jesus was the Son of God and that died and died for his sins. Never heard it. And the man, Ray Alexander, said to my grandfather, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? And my grandfather said, no. I'd like to think about it for a while. And then Ray said, well, if you ever decide to give your life to Jesus, you need to pray a prayer like this. And he told him the sinner's prayer. And as he told my grandfather, my father, sitting on the steps, prayed the prayer and gave his life to the Lord. My father was the oldest of three brothers. One of the, the, he had two two brothers, all right? The oldest of two brothers, I should say, oldest of three sons. Three boys in the families all, no no girls. One of the brothers committed suicide. The other brother uh, died a few months after getting out of prison. My father was the only believer in his family. 16 years of age, went to college, the only one to go to college. Started a company. God blessed him. Came a huge giver to the kingdom of God. Raised me in a Christian home. I accepted the Lord. I went into ministry. 
many, many people have accepted the Lord now. Because a man that put asphalt in potholes shared with another man, and he thought, as far as he knew, he said no. A few years after I came to know the Lord, I got concerned about my grandfather. So I started praying. We had a family reunion coming up, and I started praying I'd get to talk to him about the Lord. And so at that family reunion, God orchestrated the time for us to be alone in a room, and I started sharing the Lord with my grandfather. And my grandfather told me, he said, a man told me this 40 years ago, and I've always regretted that I didn't give my life to the Lord. And I said, you can give your life to the Lord today. And I led my grandfather to the Lord. He was 78 years old. He lived until he was 82 years old, and we saw a change in his life. After he passed away, I thought to myself, I wonder if the guy, Ray Alexander, that witnessed to him is still alive. And I just felt like I needed to call him. So I, uh, when I, went to, I called directory assistance. This is before we had the internet. <clears throat> That's how we used to get, have to get phone numbers. We had to call and ask people. And I got his number, and I called him, and he answered the phone. He was 81 years old. And I said to him, do you remember Joe Morris? And he said, yes, I still pray for him to this day. And I said, well, uh, I'm his grandson. Did you know that my father accepted Christ that day on the steps? He said, I didn't know that. And he started to cry. I told him, I'm a minister, and many people have come to know the Lord now. But it's all because you shared the gospel. I said, you, you said you still prayed for my grandfather to this day. Well, why do you still pray for him? Listen to this. He said, in the back of my Bible, I have all of the names of the men that I've shared Christ with. And I pray for every man until he accepts Christ. And when he accepts Christ, I put a check beside his name. And your grandfather was the only name in the back of my Bible that didn't have a check beside it. And when I get off the phone, I'm going to put a check beside your grandfather's name. Prayer works. Amen. Don't ever give up praying for somebody. Don't ever throw in the towel. I mean, we don't know the things that are happening. You may be praying for somebody and God sends some total stranger to go wait on the highway for them. So we pray, we're persistent, and we trust God. Those videos, I love those videos. And I like to see what God's doing, but I really like to see what God's doing right here. And knowing, coming up to this weekend, knowing that the focus was going to be on just stories, testimonies uh, of what God's done, the power of prayer, I started thinking through all the various things that I know that are going on here at Journey, um, where prayer has caused some incredible thing to happen. And there are many, many things. And the funny thing is, is the first three that I thought of, I just realized after the fact, well, these are all people in my own real life group. And so I have some stories here I want to share of some videos we shot. um, And this is actually, these people are all in, this is just in my real life group. But I want to say that because this type of thing is happening all through this church all through this church on a weekly basis, things are happening that are dramatic uh, because of prayer. In fact, we were just talking, we missed the first part of worship because we were out in the lobby talking about something that happened as a result of prayer. So um, this first video is really incredible. I just wanna say this about these three videos before we get into them. The, The time that we have, I did not have the time to capture all of the details of these stories. They're so incredible. You could devote a whole service just to getting into everything that happened, the miracles that happened in these stories. But uh, so this is a very brief synopsis of what took place. But uh, let's go ahead and roll the first video. What's going on, Journey Church? My name is Andre, and I have a cool God story for you, a cool story about the power of prayer. 
Um, I've been having some health issues the last couple of weeks. So I went to the doctor and um, had some tests run. They did a sonogram and some blood work and uh, sent me on my way. Uh, later that day, they called me back and said they'd like for me to come on in for a CT scan as well, which I, I thought was a little bit weird. Um, but I went ahead and showed on up and got that test run as well. Um, afterwards, I was talking with the doctor and I found out kind of why they called me back in. Uh, it's because they had found a mass on my gallbladder that was um, significantly larger than it should have been and it had blood flow to it. So it was um, something that was quite concerning. And in addition to that, the liver enzymes um, came back as being about 20 times higher than what they should have been, um, which is slightly scary. You know, we're talking kind of borderline liver failure type numbers. Um, so ultimately, um, they decided not to send me off to the hospital for emergency surgery or anything like that. They decided to make me an appointment with the surgeon um, for the following week. So um, I wait through the weekend and I'm sitting at home reading these reports and Googling everything that I didn't understand in them, which is admittedly a terrible idea. It's quite terrifying. Um, but I remember one of the reports in particular said could be a large polyp, but consider a carcinoma, whatever, whatever the carcinoma, whatever the cancer term is, uh, for gallbladder cancer. And that was scary. Um, so I asked for prayer. I asked for people in my life group, um, people at Journey Church. Several of you guys prayed for me, and I, I appreciate it because, as you'll see in the rest of this story, things get pretty cool from here. Um, I talked to the surgeon, and of course, they didn't want to do surgery while my liver was so angry at me. Um, so they told me that I had to get some additional tests run and things like that. Um, I went and uh, got those uh, those tests done, and going into it, I, after all the prayers, I almost had this, this sense of peace, this burden that I'd been carrying around for days it had just kind of disappeared off my shoulders. And I knew that the test results were going to come back good, but I, I didn't really understand how good they were going to be. You see, what they found is that my liver enzymes had fallen in the course of about a week and a half back down to the normal range. Uh, which is an extremely rapid decline um, for it to go all the way from 20 times too high to, to normal in, in a week and a half. And they also found on this MRI that the mass was gone. Um, so the, the MRI is, of course, kind of the gold standard in, in imaging for, for this type of thing. And um, it's pretty wild and kind of inconceivable, really, to think that there were two tests, a CT scan and a sonogram that showed this mass, and then there was an MRI that said it was gone. It's pr I, I knew that something was going, I was going to get good results, but man, I, I don't think I was ready for that. God had healed me. Um, so we went through with surgery. Um, they took that, took that sucker on out, and I'm doing well, still alive, as you can see, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and... Uh, I remember waking up in post-op and talking to the doctor and he, he confirmed that there was no mass. It was just, you know, stones and things like that. Um, he had told my wife previously, uh, when, when I was still under that there was no evidence that there ever was a mass. So in the course of three weeks, we went from hospitalization, maybe gallbladder cancer, liver failure to, everything's perfectly all right. You know, the mass, there never was a mass. And that's the power of prayer right there. The power to heal. God is good, church. You know, why, one of the things that I think is so important, then this video is a perfect representation of that, is that things are happening around us consistently, that if you're not watching out for it, they'll go right by. Um, major things. Uh, the night that Andre shared that with our real life group, um, 
we were just sitting around just kind of talking about what's God been doing in your life this week. And he said, well, we went to the doctor, and, and the doctor said the mass is gone. And so he's so chilled out and laid back, I almost missed it. And I was like, what did you just say? Say that again. And he said, no, the doctor said the mass is gone, you know. And then when he told me afterwards that after the surgery, the doctor said there's no evidence that there ever was a mass. Well, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. And so I, I think it's so important that we, we look out for all of these things that happen because there's power in our testimony. And so I've got a couple more real quick. Now, these two, um, I actually grabbed uh, these people last Sunday morning and uh, took them into Pastor Sean's office and shot a real quick video in there just with my phone um, just because they couldn't be here for all the services this weekend. And so you'll actually hear a little bit of worship bleeding over a little bit. So uh, hopefully it's not too distracting, but these are incredible stories too. Let's go ahead and play this one. All right, well, I have another story. This is also from my real life group. Like I said, when I was looking around for some examples of how prayer has really worked, uh, it's like, man, in my own real life group, I'm seeing so many things. So I've just reached out to some people in my group and uh, Terry Wells and Terry Wells are a part of uh, Sarah and uh, my real life group. And um, we had a really incredible story happen um, recently involving their son, Martin. So tell us about what happened with Martin. You want to start? Yeah, I'll start. Um, our son, Martin, had had a, a lifelong journey away from the Lord. And when we joined the home group, everybody started praying for him because we asked them to. And Martin, at some point, about a few months into the home group praying, contacted us and said he wanted help, he wanted to come home, he wanted to get off drugs. And many people had prayed for him throughout his life. And it was wonderful for us to experience that with our home group, that they prayed for him. And he ended up coming to the home group and everybody got to see him and got to know him. But the prayers of people that didn't even know him, people that loved us from our home group really made a huge difference in Martin's life. Yes. Yeah. I remember there was one night where we had too many people in my home. And so we, when, we, when that happens, we split up and the guys go in one room and the ladies go in another room. And it was one of those nights and we were kind of just going around sharing prayer needs. And Terry, you shared, pray for, our, for my son, mm -hmm. for Terry and I's son, Martin. And so we did. And then that night, I remember, there were two different times that night where God just woke me up and said, pray for Terry and Terry's son, Martin. And, um, and, I, and, and I did. And, I, and there were other people. We put it out on the prayer list, and we had other people praying. And I remember the day that you guys told me he's coming home on a bus to us. And now he's even involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. He is in ministry. He is in ministry at Hope City, where he lives, and has been rehabilitated. He serves there. He's come to our real-life group a yeah. few times. He, he would like to join it, I think. Yeah. I don't think that's going to work out for him. But he is a changed person, thanks to prayer. Yeah. It's just another story of uh, praying is not just throwing up a wish to the sky uh, we see things happen when we pray. Miracles happen. Amen. Amen. Yes, we are very specific about it. And praying over 20 years, so we didn't give up. We kept praying and praying and believing and yeah. having prayer partners with us, and it paid off. That's like we talked about last week, uh, that little memory device push. Pray until something happens. And that's Amen. exactly what happened yep. here, yes. isn't it? That's yep. right. All right. Yes. Yeah. Martin's story is, is another one of those that is so intense. And it, it, we could easily take an entire service and just dedicate it to that testimony, that story of God's grace and faithfulness and the power of prayer. He was in such a bad place for so long. They, they couldn't even... They didn't even know how to get a hold of him. 
And I don't want to, I mean, I think that we probably will turn it into some kind of big story sometime. But at the point that they had asked us to pray, um, they were, in that same basic period of time, they were calling hospitals and morgues and places like that and jails to see if they could just locate where their son was because it had been so long since they heard from him and his life was just, had turned such a bad direction. And that night that, that they said, Martin is on a bus and he's headed back here. It was like, that's just an incredible, Andre's story is like a medical miracle. Martin's story is like a life change miracle. Okay, I've got one more here, and this is another one. Uh, you're just going to get a brief synopsis of, um, of what happened, uh, just to give you kind of an idea, but it's another dramatic story with a little bit of praise and worship mixed in in the background. So let's listen. Well, I have another great story here of how prayer works, and like I said before, looking around the church, uh, I just kept finding things in my own real life group that are awesome stories, and so I have Larry and Delane Hash here with me and actually they have two boys uh two little boys and both of them are testimonies to the power of prayer but i've asked them to share uh the story of elam and what happened with elam because it's a really cool story so elam uh has been a blessing from god but it's been a long journey to both have him and his journey itself so after we got married, we decided pretty quickly that we wanted to go ahead and start having children. And it took some time, and it took a lot of faith. And we had been a little bit over two years trying with multiple different fertility treatments to get pregnant. And we were on our last treatment that we were on before we would have to consider um, IVF. And that was just a road that I wasn't sure that I wanted to go down. So. I came to a TNT and Larry wasn't able to make it that night and I just had women literally praying over me, hands on me, and I just felt this overwhelmingness that God told me that it wasn't in my own strength, that it was in his strength, that I had to give over my will of the situation and give it over to him and that he would take care of it. And that last treatment was the one that led us to have our little boy Elam. And then had a, everything else was going great, and then at 20 weeks, uh, we found out that there were some differences in his heart. And after a series of meeting with specialists and finally getting referred over to Children's Mercy, um, we found out that he had a diagnosis that was very, very considered life-threatening, um, and it congenital, multiple congenital heart defects, and God has just come through on every level. So from the point that we found out and they listed all of these possibilities of what the outcome could be, of all of these possible learning disabilities and genetic disorders that could possibly be associated with his heart defects, God has come through and just given us the best outcome that the doctors ever thought possible. Amen. Yeah, I, I had to cut that one off uh, that story went on for another eight or nine minutes, and I just had to pick an edit point just for time's sake tonight. But the the outcome of that, I mean, uh, is just incredible. It's again, it's the power of prayer. So I have a couple more stories that I want to do live and in person. So what I want to do right now is is invite Joseph Heron to come up here. And share. Go ahead and give Joseph a hand as he comes up. So um, we were talking out there right before church started, and um, you were. There were actually several stories. I'm, I'm kind of trying to remember the one you were going to share. Which one were you going to share? Well, I want to share the one about um, God saving an individual. That's right. You want me to share that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, God's so good. There's so many good stories. Um, the story I want to share with you is it goes back a little ways. So about, I was trying to figure out the exact time frame, but I think it was about eight years ago. 
it's been almost that long where I was meeting with a customer of mine at a local business here in the Northland. And that customer, I, she'd been a customer for years. Well, this business was owned by a husband and wife, but I'd never met the husband, ever. Okay, I only met with the wife. I'd go in and talk to him about their needs on what I did for a living. We don't need to go into that, but that's what I was there talking to him about for their business. And so I'd get done, and then I'd see him again next year is all I needed to meet with him. Well, this one time I was in there, and the lady was just kind of being not so nice. And she was talking about her husband that wasn't being so nice. And I started talking to her, and I and God just opened up the doors for me to talk to her about Christ. And I said, it sounds like you need Jesus. And she goes, well, not me, my husband. And I said, well, do you know Jesus? She goes, yeah, I, I do. Um, she was kind of embarrassed because she was talking bad about her husband. And she's like, I mean, she, the guy didn't sound like a very nice guy. And so I said, well, does he know Jesus? And she goes, no. And I said, well, can I pray for you? your husband right here. And she, so she bowed her head right there, and, and we prayed for her husband's salvation right there in our local business. I never saw her. I think maybe I saw her one more time. And then due to some business stuff, I never saw her again. And so then we fast forward to about three years ago, I think it was what, somewhere in there. And Megan and I are doing premarital counseling for a couple here in the church. I'd met them just on Sunday mornings, uh, maybe like some of you, but I didn't know them really well, just their names. And so we were excited to get to know them a little bit. So they were over at the house the first day to go through their premarital um, counseling. And so as we're sitting there talking with the couple, and I said, well, share with me your story. And the, the man starts talking about how his wife had died and how he had accepted Christ. And then this chain of events, and he goes, yeah, and my, my wife and I, before she died, we owned a local business. And he said the name of the business. I said, what? what? Say that again. And he said the name of the business. And it, I said, you're the husband. I was like, no way. <laughs> and there's the guy sitting on my couch how many years later, and he had accepted Christ, and now we're doing his premarital counseling. And, I mean, first off, the chances of that is impossible, okay? Out of all the churches in all the Northland, so he accepts Christ. He's now engaged in, he and his fiance have now chosen Journey Churches, where they're going to go to church, and now they're sitting on my couch, okay? And I got to share with him that story. And then you, sometimes you never get to see the answer to your prayer, but God is so good. And so, I mean, I now get to call this man my friend, um, great godly man. He's changed, you know, uh, and who that is, I get to say it because he gave me permission. It's Gary Poole right here. <laughs> and so, yeah, amen. And so he's actually doing the first impressions at the end of the service. So ask him more if you want to, but God is just so good that you get to see I mean, sometimes we never see the, the answer to our prayer, but then other times he gives us that ability to actually see it in action. And so it's really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Prayer works, amen. Okay, I want to ask Jack Newmeyer to come up here. Jack is going to share a story. So um, a couple weeks ago, Jack uh, took a week out of his time to volunteer at a camp 
for people with special needs, right? And, and Jack just decided that he was going to make himself available to God to be used in any situation at any time. And the funny thing is, when you do that, God will take you up on that. And so Jack actually has a couple uh, stories about what happened during that week. So about the third week of this camp, it's called Barnabas. Um, so like he said, it's for uh, people with special needs, whether that be physical or mental. And so one of our campers, um, he had ankle braces for like his whole entire life. And so we're walking to one of our third activities of that day, and it's hockey. And so halfway um, to walking to hockey, just I see him collapse. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Nick, are you okay? Because his name was Nicholas. I'm like, he's on the ground, and he's just like, my ankles hurt, my ankles hurt. Everyone's like, are you okay, Nick? Are you okay? Um, can you walk? And he says, no, my ankles hurt too bad. I can't even move. Like I had to sit down. Um, and I was just moved with compassion. Um, and I got down like on one knee and I was like, Nick, can I pray for you? And so he said, Hold it a little closer. Okay. Yeah. So he says, what? I say it again. I'm like, Nick, can I pray for you? And he, he says, sure. And so I'm praying for him. Um, that just the pain would go away and just cease immediately and that he would be able to stand and walk. Um, and so about two minutes after I'm done praying, I go, Nick, like, how are your ankles? He goes, they're good. I'm like, is there any pain at all? Do they hurt? He says, no. Wow. And so I say, Nick, get up and walk. And he gets up and walk. And then he plays hockey, which is a very high-impact sport. And you see him, like, do all these moves. And he's just bouncing off one foot off the other, putting all this pressure, and his ankles are just fine. And so God gave wow. him new ankles in that moment. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's not all. That's not all. So then the next day... Um, okay, so I'll give a little backstory to this. So everyone who saw me pray over that guy was like astonished because they've just never been exposed to supernatural healing like that. And so the next day, another camper, his name is Crawford, and he has cerebral palsy. And so his two fingers would just really hurt. Like he couldn't bend them at all. They were just aching and hurting so bad. And he was going around. He's like, I, I can't do anything. I can't grab anything. I, like I, they just hurt. They hurt. They hurt. They hurt. Um, and so everyone's like, like all of my people in my cabin were like, oh, Crawford, can I pray over you? And they go, dear God, I hope the pain goes away. Amen. And so I'm like, that's not how you pray. Like, that's not how you're supposed to pray. And I go up to him and I go, Crawford, can I pray over you? And he says, sure. And so I point to the people that believed and saw what happened the day before with Nick. I go, you, 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 and you come with me. We're praying for Crawford. And so I bring Crawford to the side of the room, kind of in private, um, but where everyone can see, you know, um, and so I said, Crawford, can I, put, uh, can I lay hands on you? And he says, sure. And Crawford may be um, handicapped, but, like, his faith is so immense. And so I'm praying over him just that God would give him full flexibility and that all aching and pain and inflammation in his fingers would cease immediately. And I'm like, Crawford, do you believe that it's going to be healed? Do you want it to be healed? Do you, like, do you believe God is going to give you new joints? And he says, yes. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And go figure, that was our verse for the week. And so I go, well, then it is healed right now in the name of Jesus. And so, like, like the people around us praying, like, that's probably the first time they've ever experienced the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And people were just crying and on their knees, and Crawford is, like, just speaking these bold words, um, which you never hear. Um, look, I'm trembling. What the heck? Um, <laughs> And so, like, I asked him, like, how are your fingers? And he says, I can bend them, which I've never been able to do before. The pain is gone. I can pick things up, which I've never been able to do before with this hand. And then I said, how did it feel? And he said, it was, like, icy hot, but it's way more intense. And so there was this feeling of just warmth shooting through my fingers and my forearm. But it was gentle at the same time. And it was probably the first, he said, it was the first time he's ever felt the love of God like truly manifest in himself mm -hmm. um and so Pete, like just um jesus healed two campers that day uh that day and the next day and then the next night we had family time which is when we put the campers to bed the special needs and then they're the people so we have missionaries and campers missionaries are the one-on-one -on -one that take care of the campers and we're assigned a camper so after we put all the campers to bed the missionaries go out and we have family time because we're all like a family and we have deep talks and so that night we were doing testimonies, and I shared my testimony, and it started out, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian. But my story isn't being done written yet. 
Um, and then I told him about this conference we did just a couple of weeks ago. It was bold and where God just had a, the most crazy revival. Um, and I'm talking about how God gave me um, the gift of supernatural healing. And so afterwards, you know, people are just in shock. Some people are very standoffish. Um, and after we're done with family time, when we're going to bed, my leader pulls me aside. He goes, hey, Jack, can I uh, come here for a sec? I'm like, am I in trouble? And he goes, no, 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 no. Um, and, you know, he's nervous. He's like, um, this sounds weird asking, but uh, can you please pray over my arm? I go, yeah, sure, Palin, what's up? And he goes, um, about a year ago, I broke my arm with a bunch of skater friends. Um, and there's an iron rod in my arm to keep it and brace it from breaking. And I can't put barely any pressure on it. I can't overexert it because it just hurts to bend, hurts to pick things up. It just aches and it's sore. And I go, well, you already know that by the, done, by the time we're done praying, it's going to be completely healed. And, he, you know, he chuckles, but he didn't give me an answer. So in the middle of the night at like 12, all the lights are off. And we're outside. And you hear like just nature is all around and we're just surrounded by it and like for 30 minutes to an hour i like i just lost track of time because it went by so fast and the, so we're done praying and the next day i just randomly the thought popped in my head uh, god told me hey ask balen how his arm's doing and i go balen like how's your arm um is there any pain left he, and he's slamming it on like shelves he's like He's like, it's not hurting. And he's like hitting it as hard as he can. And he's like palming things, putting as much pressure as he can. And he's like, it's not hurting. Like, I, I can overexert it. I can put pressure on it. It's not popping. It's not aching. It's not sore. Like, it's not hard to bend. It's, it, the pain's gone. And then he felt his elbow where there was an iron rod stuck, placed in his forearm for the rest of his life to keep his arm from breaking. He said, I can't even feel the rod. God took away the iron rod in my arm, it has disappeared and is gone. My arm is 100% healed. And I was just like, that's awesome. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. See, God is looking for people that are available. God's looking for anybody that's available. People that will pray. Prayer works. And I hope that that's something, I hope that you've seen that tonight. And, and last week, prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is speaking the reality of God's kingdom into this world. And things change. People get healed. People come into the kingdom. And, and, and you may be praying for something that you don't see uh, anything moving, anything changing. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep praying. Well, there was one more thing I was going to do tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to do it just to, because we've kind of gone a little long. But I want to remind you of something that uh, we did talk about last week, and it's just this idea of if you don't know how to pray, Jesus told you how to pray. He gave you a template. He gave you a format or an outline. In the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and he, he talked about how you start off praising God. Then you start declaring the kingdom of God. And then you bring your petition and your needs, and you get right with God, and you, you bind the enemy, and then you end praising God once again. You should always end prayer in joy. You should always leave a time of prayer changed. You should feel lighter. Prayer is a transaction. It's a transfer. Jesus said, cast your cares on me because I care about you. And so what I want to do is let's all stand up and let's pray right now. And then we're going to take just a couple more minutes and praise him. And we're going to leave here tonight uh, with joy, doing that song all to him. Oh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for prayer. We thank you, God, that we have access to you, that we have a relationship with you, that we can talk to you, that you will talk to us. God, we thank you, Lord, for this supernatural thing called prayer, this thing that ushers in revival, this thing that banishes sickness, this thing that drives out depression, this thing that calls people into the kingdom of God that we call prayer. 
God, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. Lord, we, we want to step into deeper places of prayer. Each one of us, God, we want to go from prayer being an event to prayer being a lifestyle, to prayer being a culture, Lord God. We want that ongoing relationship, that ongoing conversation with you that happens throughout the day. Lord, we want to do things like Jack did, where we're just, we're just in prayer, we're listening to your voice, and you say, go pray for that person, go talk to that person. Lord, we want, to, we want to do things like Joseph did and all these other testimonies that we've heard tonight where we've taken a person and prayed for them and prayed for them. And then maybe years later, we see that those prayers came to pass. God, that's what we want. And so, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you stir it up in Jesus' name. And Jesus, we say that you are our everything. All glory to you. All honor to you. In the name of Jesus. Now let's let's sing to, to Jesus tonight. Let's start off. Let's shout praise to him right now. Come on. Praise you, Jesus. All glory to you, God. All glory.